Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch the Track podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I am the Dude. And I am Grim. And Dude, this fine day we are going to be discussing the moon and Antarctica by Modest Mouse. Hell yeah, and it's going to be a good one. Now, for all you first timers to this podcast, we are the podcast where we pick our favorite albums, we discuss them, and we discuss each track on the album. Yep, and where it kind of comes to the crux of it is if you can remember a time before streaming services, MP3s, and even when you could just burn CDs, rip them very conveniently. You had a vinyl, you had a CD, and inevitably something was getting scratched. Well, in this game, we choose which one we would scratch, which track we would scratch off. Hence the name. Scratch a track. And the fun thing about it is not only do we get to scratch, but you get to scratch as well. And we'd like to hear them and why. I'm always interested to hear what people would scratch. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into it, Graham, we would love for everyone here, whether it's your first time, your last time, or your, you know, your second time, or another time, to go ahead and like, subscribe, and comment below. Please do. Yes. And when you do comment below, feel free to disagree with us, disagree with our scratches. Let us know what track you would scratch. Yeah. And, ab- and above all, above all, don't be that person that says... This album's perfect. I wouldn't scratch anything. We get it. We're picking amazing albums. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily do that either. But if I had to, because I've had to and didn't get to pick it before. Yeah, right? Exactly. You know, it's life's a bitch like that. But, you know. It is. It is. Well, you know what else is? Well, actually, it's not a bitch. Modest Mouse. By the time this album came out, their previous album, Lonesome Crowded West, was kind of a big deal. Like that, that really took them to another level. And this album, Moon in Antarctica, was kind of their their first. They were with a major label now, right? Yeah. They, they signed with Epic, so I think there was some uh, maybe some trepidation amongst fans who thought, "Oh, now they're going all commercial." We liked them when they were this kind of small independent band. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if they got some flack for it, but at least I don't know what your feeling is. This this album to me, and, and we can talk a little bit about good news for people who love bad news and stuff. This does does is definitely not any sort of a sellout album in my mind. No, like, I, it don't, is, I don't think so. And a couple of shout outs uh, to, to Mr. Alex Ferda, who they used to refer to as Fur, but he was the guy who got me on modest mouse and i remember him being all jacked up about this album because this was their new album at the time right and um you know i think he probably gave me like most of their stuff to check out at once and and i mean this yeah this was certainly like a different level but it by like you said by no means uh selling out I, right. I I didn't think so. I just think I just think for they had a budget, and so it's like once you have a budget, you're gonna do things that you didn't have the time or the money to even think money about to. trying before. Well, right, and we you know we've if you haven't seen our previous episode on the Lonesome Crowded West, um, check that scratch out. It's a fun album and uh, one of our favorites. And there's a great documentary that Pitchfork did about the making of Lonesome Crowded West and. In that documentary, they talk about the recording process. And, dude, it's basically like sleeping on couches and staying yeah. up all night and recording until they just basically can't stay awake anymore. And then, 
you know, going to sleep for a few hours, then you come back the next day you and do, just it all do that over. every day for, for weeks, weeks straight. Um, this was a little bit different of experience. Again, you know, they're, they're on a, on a label. Um, and they actually recorded it at, uh, it's called Clavis, Clava, Clava, Clava Studios in Chicago. And it was the first record to be recorded at that studio by this, um, this guy named Brian Deck, who was in a band, um, a band called Red Red Meat that Modest Mouse had, I, I wouldn't say they toured with. I, they were on the same bill. I think they played some shows. I want to say it was in Detroit. They played some shows with that band. And uh, I think Isaac Brock and, and Brian Deck kind of hit it off a little bit. And um, they lost touch, but then they got back in touch, um, you know, a couple years later. And he was more, I think, more into producing. And so they went there to uh, to record the album. And it sounds like the studio wasn't even done. Yeah, they were Mouse still putting up there. like drywall up. Yeah, dude, it reminds me of a little bit of um, what's uh, Dave Friedman's studio. Is it Tarbox? Tarbox Is that what he calls it? Studios. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what they did when they were uh, when the Flaming Lips were recording the Soft Bulletin. They had money, they had a budget, and they just said, "Well, we'll just like kind of build out this studio and do that." So it just it, like that one wasn't even completed when they started recording wow. their album. So that's anyway. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's it's uh, you know the the jump in production is so noticeable. So it sounds like they had some songs that would eventually make it on this. I think on this album and some that became this EP. Um, uh, what was the name of the EP? I had it. Well, there's there there's two. So there's night on the night on the yeah, sun. Yeah, night on EP. the sun. That's it. But then there's everywhere in his nasty bag of parlor tricks. Oh which yeah, there's, there's another version of like I I um I came as a rat is on that. Yes, but I love I love both of those. I do um, too. I do yeah. too. But and it said that Phil yeah. Eck I think recorded who who did some of the work some on of the Lonesome demos. Crowded West. Um, he did some of those demos, which I think ended up on that, and then and then Brian Deck, Phil Eck, Brian Deck. Um, did this one and I think an, an, an incredible job because it the they they really explored the space and it sounds Dude. like the moon and 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 or Antarctica. Yeah, it really it, it I don't know if I'd say they went full glacial on this album, but it definitely has the more title of title would imply so. It would. It definitely has more of an expansive sound um uh, than than the Lonesome Crowded West. I feel mm-hmm. like the Lonesome Crowded West just hits you in the face like one song after another for for the most part. This one, um, it, I feel like there aren't as there are peaks and valleys as far as yes. the sound and the tempo, but not as I, I feel like it's just not as much or as aggressive um, consistently as maybe the Lonesome Crowded West is. Yeah, um, I, I they, would agree they, with that. They, they 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 do leave a little space uh, mm-hmm. in, in some of the songs. Uh, they get. Yeah, like a little trippy. I I, I kind of like it. It has some, oh, you know, some some darker tones. To I it. I really like it, and it's funny because I I think there's a lot of debate among fans uh, whether this or the Lonesome Crowded West is your favorite Modest Mouse album. And dude, hats off to fan of the show, um, my neighbor Joel, who as soon as he listened to the Lonesome Crowded West episode, he's like, dude, you guys got to do the moon in Antarctica yeah. like that that's my well, favorite one I was like Joel this one's for you buddy 
It is. Well, I, you know, if you ask me uh, right now, uh, man, I might slightly lean more towards Lonesome Crowded West. Mm-hmm. Um, I do too, man. This, but it's great because they're these are such different albums. Uh, they are such different albums, and and I would love it if Pitchfork did a fucking documentary on this one like man it'd be it'd be badass because i i just love to to know more about it um even when i was like looking stuff up i couldn't find a ton of information i did find some stuff i found a really good article on it yeah that article uh, you found was really good yeah it was a good find did my mm-hmm. homework you did um, you did yeah well dude it was uh it was really trippy it, i'm sure you read the same thing that i did that you know they recorded um, in Chicago, and they had like all the instrumentation down. Oh and then yeah! The first, dude. Then the first day after putting in the vocals, they went to the bar, dude. They went to the Empty Bottle. Yeah, which you which told I've me. been to, which I've been to in Chicago, dude. The Empty Bottle. That's where I saw Doctor Dog for the first time. Oh, is at the Empty you Bottle. Son of a biscuit. Mm-hmm. I know that was a long time ago, man. Wow. And that was a small dude. That was a small place, like really small place. Oh, that's cool. Like, really small um but yeah but basically story goes that he they came back parked their van and uh they were staying on top of uh there's an apartment on top of the studio and they were staying on top there and they parked their van or whatever and isaac went over to talk to this group of guys who were hanging out in the park and somebody just clocked him in the jaw yeah dude broke his jaw i don't know why you would do that at that point in the night like when you're fucked up i, I would have just i as, as i read that like when it said he got yeah. punched in the Isaac park i'm down. like damn that's weird but then when i read more it's like oh you come you're coming home late from the bar and you're going to like talk to people in their neighborhood in the city like i, I can see that happening yeah just don't poke the bear man yeah yeah there's there's no reason but but yeah dude so he like went to the er he had surgery and then his mouth was wired shut for like six weeks like six weeks like well and and i read later that they dude he actually started pulling the wires out because they he was they they had played a couple gigs where he was kind of just like doing a piss poor job of spitting out what he could vocally but they were going to play coachella i guess yeah, and I think that's so what it was. He said there was like blood everywhere and all this stuff, but he got oh, oh. it sounds awful. Yeah, it sounds really fucking horrible, man. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I will say, you know, uh, that is a really interesting story, and they ended up obviously putting in the vocals, and I can't really tell a, a difference. I mean, it, uh, you know, I I think they the vocals on the album sound great to me. <laughs> well, yeah, but so. he this they did them after I think. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, but yeah, this is definitely one of the albums that uh, I I find I don't know what what your kind of experience is, but with a lot of the bands, I find my favorite albums. I was just you know I felt like oh it took my top five or ten bands. Maybe not some from the earlier, the 60s, but sort of anything from like my generation. Mm-hmm. I find albums like two through four are like usually my favorites that they've come out with. Um, yeah, I can't dude. say I've sta- can't say I've stayed up to date with a lot of the more recent Modest Mouse stuff because uh, I had heard a few things. And I was like, ah, you know, it's OK. But I mean, the three for me are Lonesome Crowded West, this one and. Good news for people who have bad news. I mean, Dude, we were dead before the ship case. even sank is pretty good, too. Um, James Mercer actually is on several of the tracks as a backing vocalist, which is cool. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, it's I know what I you mean. I just lost touch. I, I, I did too, touch. and I, I've I I've heard some songs, and it's like they're not bad, but I just don't feel like they had kind of the edge that they had during this point. Um, now, yeah. one thing that I think is interesting is the two different covers, right? Because I've seen both of them. Um, I don't think that that they actually took part of the picture from Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, but I think it was heavily inspired by it with the shaking of hands. That's what we should do for our cover thing. It looks like we're shaking hands or the thing. Definitely. Do but okay. um, yeah, I don't know. Well, so there were uh, apparently what I heard is you know, this album came out in 2000. And I guess four years later, Isaac Brock wanted to re- remix and remaster it. And then I think that's where there was like a, a, a newer album cover came out or I don't know, yeah. something like basically the like a newer version. And it came looks out. like an iceberg or something. With yeah. The sun. Yeah. Behind I, it. I, I, yeah. I don't or know which probably the first, moon. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of people were kind of like, and even some reviewers were like, dude, this album's been out four years and you want to like remix it and everything. Like what's going, he just like, he wasn't happy with it. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, exactly what version I have. (laughs) I I think I just have, um, I I don't know, whatever, whatever one you can download. I don't, I don't know if I don't see like two different versions. Now I will say I was at the record store the other day. And there were two different pressings of Moon in Antarctica there with the same cover. And I couldn't really tell which one, what the difference was and which one was which. Um, I think one was not 180 gram pressing. I'm not sure if the other one was, but it, I just couldn't tell. They both looked like, hey, these are, you know, it kind of looked the same thing, but you could tell that they were different versions. So Okay, I'm sure know. this is going to be a divisive line of questioning, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> Which cover do you like better? Fuck. Uh, I like the iceberg. I do too. I, I think that the the shaking hands and stuff, although like, whether like it was Steve. meant to be a nod to fucking wish you were here, I'm sorry it is. Just it. Yeah. I mean, how can you have two people shaking hands and not think of wish you were here? Every time I shake someone's hand, I think of that. I, I do so. too. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I just I think you like were Richard Pryor. Yeah. Artistically, I don't understand it. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I neither see the moon or Antarctica or anything that really makes a whole lot of sense together contextually in a picture. But the other one actually looks like a giant like moon and some big iceberg that would somehow to me represent yeah. Antarctica and maybe like sure. a fisheye lens or something, you know? It looks yeah, it looks kind of trippy and stuff. I think it's funny how they both have the the purple like tone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, okay, we don't we can't agree on, you know, the design, right, of the objects on the album, but we do want this color tone. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so whatever and, that and tone code is. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, well, Graham, I think we've kind of exhausted the uh, intro here talking about the Let me about just, the album. yeah, we talked Unless about getting punched. I like what you've done here. I think everything else can be talked about in the context of the songs. The songs. Themselves. 
Oh, right. I do think, did you read about where the title came from? I did find this quite interesting. Oh, oh, yeah, I did. I took a note down, and now that you say something about it, I totally forget. Remind me. Well, I, I guess that um, the album, it says the album's title is taken from the opening scene of 1982's Blade Runner, where That's the right. main okay. character is reading a newspaper um headlining that the headline that says farming the oceans the moon and and antarctica now i don't even know how any of that makes sense in the english language um i don't know i've i've heard of this idea of farming the oceans i actually read a really interesting article about this in the atlantic of like maybe not farming but mining like mining in the deep sea oceans for minerals and stuff like that. Damn. And there's a, there's a lot of controversy on this subject about what, you know, should they do it or should they not? Because there's several zones out there in the ocean that I guess you, you would say are, are in international waters and, and theoretically a lot of different companies or countries could claim them so that's kind of an interesting subject but how that actually goes with the words the moon and antarctica oh unless they're farming the oceans the moon, moon. And, antarctica. and antarctica okay it could be yeah i think that has to be that's the only like context i can see that making sense and i don't know what you're gonna farm from the moon maybe there's some really good shit under all the dust yeah, but you think we would have probably like taken that by now, dude? Antarctica, man, a lot of sea ice, dude. I don't know what's under that sea ice, but some some shit is there. Shit's, well, yeah, water. It's fucking melting. Well, yeah, I mean, technically, right. you could go under it, dude. A submarine went under the North Pole. Anyways, all right, cool. This isn't fucking our planet. On uh, National Geographic, but let's get to the first song. It's not our planet, but it could be the third planet. Exactly, and yeah, that's kind of so. where I was going the whole time. Yeah, I was waiting for you to get there. I just, you know, had to <laughs> move it grab along. Grab your hand and fucking make it. move it along. Hmm. All right, Graham, let's move it along. Yeah. So, album starts. Third Planet. What do you think about this track right off the bat to open up the album, my friend? Uh, I like it because it 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 goes it goes places, but it starts incredibly simply with one guy like in an acoustic guitar, and I think that's a really cool way uh, to start the album. It's not some big crazy intro. It's just it's to the point, and it's 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 like how anything would start with a guy sitting in a room just picking at a guitar, and then it just kind of opens up from there. And I think that's cool. No, I definitely uh, I definitely agree with you there. Um, it's it's it doesn't it doesn't punch you in the face, and and I find that with sort of um, I think maybe many of the songs on this album they don't necessarily punch you in the face right away in that typical modest mouse style one thing they do and do really well is they can they can start slow and they can really ramp it up and yeah. then they can bring bring it back mm -hmm. down and and i i just i find that um you know i think of the lows crowded west i feel like it's like oh you know, it if starts you, off if you have a, a if you have a heart rate monitor or something or like a lie detector it's going back and forth like like the whole album yeah kind of. but this one this one is more of like a 
you know, more of like a rolling wave, I, I kind of feel like on this album. I mean, there are tracks that hit and, and rock, but I just feel like it's not constantly just driving kind yeah. of the whole time. Um, one lyric that always stood out to me was the universe is shaped exactly like the earth. Like the earth. If you go straight long enough, you end up where you were. I, I've always, I've always appreciated that lyric. Yeah. Dude, Isaac Brock's lyrics are, I, they're so cool. The, the they way are he good. Plays with, the way he plays with words is just exceptional. Well, um, and you can tell he's, he's a really, he's a smart guy and he's a, he's a thinker. Definitely. You, you yeah, know, he I, yeah. Is. Well, in a sense, um, his lyrics, the way he plays with words and does things, um, and I, I think he has been heavily influenced, and they talk about it in uh, that Pitchfork uh, Lonesome Crowd West documentary, um, when he was um, just being influenced by uh, Bob Dylan a lot. The way Bob Dylan mm. plays with words and, and, and stuff. I think Isaac Brock does it differently, but they both yeah. kind of play, play with words and mess around. Well, I like bit. it because even if he writes like a love song, it, it doesn't sound sappy and like um, cheese dick, cheese Richard. He's definitely not a sad. He's definitely not a sad sappy sucker now, is he? I listened to that one today. Oh, yeah. Dude, always, always got a soft spot in my heart for that. I love, dude. I think Worms versus Birds is one Those of the birds. best Modest Mouse songs ever. No dude, question. It's fucking great. It is. It is. Anyways, um, all right. Moving on, Gravity Rides Everything, track number two. Um, I figured that you would really like the beginning of this song with all the reverse sounds. In, oh, I, in dude, I was going to yeah. mention the reverse sounds really throughout the album. Um, yes, there are And they, they did mention that, like, um, that Brian Deck was, was kind of, like, pretty well-versed in how to do a lot of stuff and played with some Pro Tools plugins and a lot of things. Right. And, and you can that that really comes through and i i really like how they use the they use the reverse like really subtly and almost to create space as opposed for effect a lot sure. of t a lot of times in the album and i think this is one because they have these things that sounds like sticks clicking maybe claves but almost more primitive like drumsticks clicking and sometimes they'll throw a like a backwards one in every once in a while and it, it just kind of it, it's interesting i think for the listener and i think it goes well with kind of the fast acoustic strumming you know to, to set the rhythm for the song Absolutely, yeah. Because it's it's kind of funny because I feel like at least the Lonesome Crowded West hits really kind of hard, and then this one starts and it's just it's just different, which is great. It, they didn't do the same thing over again. No, they did um, not. And you know, this one does start with the uh, um, you know with those reverse sounds, but then the acoustic comes in just like really nicely and clean, yes. and it's not all crazy and stuff uh yeah and i, I like I've, those reverse sounds because it's like some like a feedback or like a harmonic on an electric guitar with the the, the right. he loves the whammy bar and i i, oh, I think they dude. use it so good in that in that reverse way just to create a weird yeah. effect it's, yeah. it's no it's, it, you kind of know when you're listening to a modest mouse song not just from his words but you know they there's a lot of songs or they'll have that like kind of Sort of almost kind of like a choppiness when mm -hmm. they start rocking, really. But then yeah. he'll have the he'll have the weird like warping kind of sounds yeah. to his guitar. 
you know, all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. He just, he likes to do those fun things. And, um, and I guess, you know, one thing I didn't, I didn't mention and cover before was when he was in the hospital, Brian Deck made him a, uh, a, uh, a demo, not a demo, but basically put on cassette what they had recorded to that point, just so Isaac could, you know, continue to listen to the songs. And he listened to him and he was like, once he, once he got, he was in the hospital for like a week. He was like, I want to put more stuff in. He was like, we need to put more in. He was like, I want more guitars and, and, and everything. So yeah. I'd really be interested to, to see like what, what it was before and then what they put in after. I, I think yeah. kind of, kind of need to find out. Um, but then move on to dark center of the universe, which now here's do, where they start to yeah. get uh, the first time. Glacial. I think you hear anything that's kind of like heavier. Mm-hmm. That, that well, it would, starts off, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is it is one of those things like I was talking about earlier where they they can ramp it up and ramp it down like like really yep. good, and the song ha- has that. But dude, yeah, it definitely rocks that parts right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But and one thing they use in this album now they 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 use it a little bit in Lonesome Crowded West, but really the strings ha- there's strings in a lot of songs on on this one, and I'm trying to think in. Uh, Lonesome Crowd West, I think. What's the song? Uh, Jesus Christ is an only uh, child. Whatever. Yeah, I think that's that's the one they mainly use strings in. But there's, I mean, a lot of the songs have strings on on this album, which just adds another dynamic. Um, that and I'm really glad they they utilized it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, he's just got just just some some really really good words. What does he say in this one? He says. Uh, uh, well, it took a lot of work to to be the asset I am, and I'm real damn sure that anyone can e- equally easily fuck you over. Yeah. Just like that, you know, it's like kind of self-deprecating <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, he's like, but he's honest, right? He's <laughs> well, and, and he also mentions that he has uh, his only art of fucking people over in people Third love. Planet, too. So it's kind yeah, of a ex- reoccurring thing. Like, he must have done somebody wrong and, you know, uh-huh. have to atone. Yeah. Right, so uh, perfect disguise. Yeah, um, this song, dude. This song is a very chill song. Oh, like it doesn't. I, dude. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't have those kind of. It doesn't have the peaks and the valleys and the ups and the downs. It stays pretty, pretty consistent. I, I love this a, song. I think his background vocals are so lush. They're just real spacey and thick, and he does several different layers of harmony. And um, yeah. Uh, boy, I just and, and you know the other thing. So the article that um, that you that you sent me and that we read about them recording this, which I think was from Spin. I think it was Spin. Yeah, um, it was Spin. They talk about this guy Ben Blackenship, who they who was like billed as yeah. some guy who was a jack of all trades and who was going to come in there and do all this stuff. And yeah. then they said, "Yeah, I really don't really you know know a whole lot of what he played." But when you look at his credits, he did play a lot of things. And one thing that I think is absolutely crucial of this song and the album is the banjo in this song. Sure, it definitely is. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I love it. Yeah, it just would not be the same song without that, and it just Definitely. it adds this this like strike this striking, piercing kind of bit and this percussiveness to the song that wouldn't otherwise be there, I guess. Yeah, 
Well, um, for some reason, the words that the lyrics that always stood out to me in this song is when he says, because you cocked your head to shoot me down and I don't don't give a damn about you in this town no more. Just I just find it funny, like just the image of you, you, you cocked your head to shoot me down. Like, I, again, he like plays with those yeah. those words a little bit. And I, I just I, re- I really love that. man. And do you I, have the lyrics up in front of you? I don't. But I, 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 I don't. Oh, uh, because because I think that uh, his his background lyrics that they sing over and over. I'm pretty sure he just says, rub my back. I think broke my broke my back. Oh, broke my back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Broke my back. Yeah, I no, can see that. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to it's hard to tell. Well, when there's that much space, you know. So much space, dude. So and, much space, and they explore it so well as but they should. Really awesome transition from here into tiny cities made of ashes, which yeah. I, I think. You had parts of other Modest Mouse songs prior that may have flirted with something like this, but there yeah, wasn't but that was something so overtly almost like disco inspired in a way, but it's like weird disco. Dude, yeah, that's what I was going like to say. Punk I, 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 disco. Yeah, well, it's it's the, it's very just bass driven, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the whole intro in the beginning of it is so bass driven. It's just to me... I don't. I feel like this is such just like sort of a departure and different type of song for them. And I even there's just so many weird sounds and the way he sings it. And I, it's well because goes, he's he's got his voice layered. He's doing like an octave right. up high, and then he's got a low one that's just like talking. And then I think he's got a whisper on top of that too. Which oh, is boy. one thing that I was going to mention about the album as the whole is. Um, You know, they did play a lot with space and brought in more additional instruments. But boy, they really did a lot more with his voice on this one. Yeah. You know, in terms of like, it's not just every song isn't just like he doubles his voice or he just sings really heavy. Like they they did different things with all of it. And that's that's really cool. Well, and I think that's a kind of a testament to what you were saying earlier with, you know, when you have more time, you have a budget, you, you can you can do those things. You can experiment with those things. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, and I don't I know they use Pro Tools for this. I I don't remember if we knew or we talked about how they record if, if uh, Lonesome Crowded West was more tape or digital. My I, gut I, would tell me that based on what they were doing, it was Probably not computers at that point because it was a little early for that. And if you did have that, it was probably really fucking expensive to have. Um, and I don't think it was your standard like, you know, two inch 24 track analog tape because that is also very expensive equipment to have and maintain. My guess is it was like they made these things called ADAT machines. And mm-hmm. dude, they were digital recorders and you'd put like a what looked like a VHS tape in them. Right. And what you could do is you could daisy chain two of those together or maybe even more. And so that they would always sync up. Multiple. So then you could just like because an ADAT was only eight tracks by its nature. So you could just daisy chain these things together to get more tracks and then mix that down to another ADAT or whatever. Okay. That was. That makes sense. Yeah. And those were just once I started recording. ADAT was just starting to kind of like uh, like 
dinosaur itself or go away. Okay. But they were still like, they were still selling them and making them when I like got into recording kind of early in college. Sweet. Sweet. Um, All right. Well, we go from tiny made or tiny city made of ashes into um, a different city. Dude, real um, quick though, I'm get I'm I am gonna make those t-shirts that say the world is my ashtray because that is such a fucking good lyric. It is a good lyric. Big fan of it. Um, Different city. So a different city with no friends Um, and family. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, this one has some great words, but dude, it also really, really freaking rocks from the beginning too. Oh, it does. Um, You know, and I I love the flows of this song and just kind of how it moves along, man. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really nice. I, I find that the transitions are, are, are yeah, they are the way, good. The way it goes. I really enjoy, I'm watching TV. I guess that's mm-hmm. a solution. That is, that right? is fucking classic. Dude. Yeah. Dude, there's so many fucking good lines. He's like, oh, where, where is that? I have it. Um, uh, through the cracks in the wall, slow motion for all dripped yeah. out of the bars. Some, uh, some smart said nothing at all. I'm watching TV. I guess that's that's what he says. They gave me a receipt. Said I didn't buy nothing. Yeah. I'm gonna look out of. I'm gonna look out the window of my colored TV. That yeah. is pretty freaking cool. Um, and I also love the way, it, dude. Um, you know, then moving into the cold part where it's, oh, dude, dude, that dude, so dark. Actually, man. what and, I said is they do that with the lyrics to like. yeah Yeah. it's funny dude but i I love um and i don't know i mean i don't want to talk about them together but they they do flow in the cold part and all alone down there but dude the cold part is is cold part is is one of my favorite tracks on the album oh me too me too dark again it's got the violins it just sets kind of that that just a great mood you know this the song sounds and feels like what it's about Right. Like well, yeah, and and that to me is like the Antarctica part because it it sounds cold. It feels like it's got this huge space. I mean, it's it's just man, it's it's really really well done. And and the violin. And now was Tyler Riley the guy who played violin on this? Was this the same guy that played on mm-hmm. Lonesome Crowded West? I don't know that. Okay, I don't. Know that. I don't but maybe, either. but. But maybe they know that. So why yeah. So if we, if up? any of the fans could could set us straight there, please do. Please do. But in the meantime, um, I'm still gonna look it up because I want to know. Right. Sweet, fucking fine. Well, I'll move on to all alone down there, because I feel the songs really just kind of continue in, into each other a little bit. Um, well, yeah. And, they, I don't uh, want you to be alone down in the cold part. Yeah, yeah exactly. If they so. would have made them one track, I think that would have been the title. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but dude, this uh, again, he sings this. Uh, um, yeah, it was Tyler what? Riley. Uh, okay, just, good. All right. Just so you know, All right. Tyler Durden. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it is kind of a you know a continuation, and I I really love how it's. Um, he sings it really eerily, but dude, yeah. when this song fucking picks up, oh yeah, and it rocks, hits. dude. It is. I love it, and and I. One thing I do love about Isaac Brock is 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 the way he can kind of scream his words and scream oh, yeah. and sing. He's really really good at that. He can just very percussive let, and dude, let it fucking rip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite line though, dude. 
but the devil's apprentice he gave me some credit he fed me a line that i probably oh, regret it yeah, oh yeah. man dude just that's that's so fucking good dude now, so I had read in the article you sent me that they tried doing a lot of weird things with different bits of alternative percussion. And one mm-hmm. thing that they mentioned was the cold part. <clears throat> and they mentioned a couple of very weird implements. Uh, one of these was a vibrator and a bedpan, which I think the it's bedpan... There's times where it sounds like someone's like shaking something like a piece of sheet metal. And maybe okay. that's that. Can't really say where I'm picking up the vibrator in there, but who knows? Yeah. Did yeah. I read that wrong? I'm pretty sure that's what no, it's. No, I read a vibrator too. Okay, okay, I, good. I so yeah. it's it is it wasn't just a clever name. No, better than <clears throat> the accommodator. Google that. <laughs> not on your not on your not on your work phone. Yeah. Um Well, it depends yeah. on how you see your career tracked. Yeah, like a chindo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, man. Yeah. Moving on. Um, the stars are projectors, yeah. Dude, this song is almost nine minutes. I know. And I, fe- I feel like whenever I I was, when I looked at that today, I was like, holy shit. It, it just, but it goes a lot of places, man. That's it, the thing. It, it does, it, but it just doesn't feel like it to me. I guess I'm, mm. I'm I, like, it's a nine-minute song, and I guess, I guess I'm a nine, well, I don't mind Trucker's Atlas really, and that's over ten minutes. But I was like, yeah. it does go in so many different places that uh, it's it doesn't feel like it to me. So yeah, no, I hear you. Um, um, and I, I like the story that they talked about recording this, where they had tried so many takes and they mm-hmm. couldn't get it right, and so it was like in the evening, at like eight p.m. or something. And he said he just dimmed the lights it. to get the right atmosphere, and like you know, they played it, and everyone knew it was a take. Like that. Yeah, that's just, just a cool story fucking nailed it yeah absolutely it is and and you could see that for for this type of song because it does have that sort of kind of deeper emotional sort of feel it is a little darker and and whatnot and you're just like man yeah you you just you just want to it's a song you want to set the mood for i think now knowing how bands record music and what kind of people do in their creative space one comment from the article that I found interesting was how he says we dimmed the lights and adjusted our attitudes and then went into this with a I'm pretty sure that means that everybody just kind of got baked. And rightly so, you should. You know, after you've done like how many takes of a song and been unsuccessful, like you just need a little bit of a mental recharge. But I thought they said it in a very nice way, which I've said that before, too. I'm like, I could really use an attitude adjustment today. You just need to get right in the You just need to get right in the head. Dude, you do. Now, if you tell your daughter she needs an attitude adjustment, I have a feeling you're not. Typically, that means a timeout. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. For dad, it means what they call a relaxment. (laughs) Adult time. Exactly. Um. So then we kind of go into a different direction after that song with uh, Wild Pack of Family Dogs, which I I always thought is is kind of what I was saying earlier about Stars of Rejectors being so long. I was actually surprised at how short this song is at just under two minutes. And I was I was going to mention that it feels longer to me than that. And not because I don't like it. It's it is one of my favorite songs on the album as well. But it does feel a little longer than that. It's, it's just a it's a it's a funny kind of little song um and th- what 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 i found interesting is like 
the the feel of the song is kind of like real sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of upbeat or happy go lucky a little bit, just a little uh, whatever. But dude, the words are fucking dark, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Dogs, dogs took a scissor away and she was eating up. Okay. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. Like, you're like, wow, that's fucked up. You know, a couple things, and they didn't talk about it in this article either, uh, but I hear a lot of percussion that I can only assume Jeremiah Green must have played the percussion parts, and Isaac Brock uh, playing the guitar. Um, But they talk about keyboards in track 11, which is, oh, sorry. They don't talk no, about not, anything in 10. Sorry. No, um, no, no, which no. which I was going to say that threw me off. Uh, because I hear an accordion in there. And and there's no really? credits. There's no credits for this. Huh. But Man, you, you hear the definitely. accordion. I mean, and, I mean, Christ, anyone who's heard the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I hear it now. And I'm not even listening to the fucking song. You're right. I 100% hear that. The only thing I was thinking when I mistakenly read 11 was that they may have just like done it on a really good sample on like a, you know, a keyboard or something. But it did. No one's even credited as playing like keyboard or really anything on this song, which is interesting right. because I, that that accordion is like a, a very integral part of the song, in my opinion. Not to say you couldn't have it without it, but that's it's kind of a nice little. It's a nice little program. Nice little program. Not that I've ever watched it. Watched it, it but... Yeah. Um, well, Grim, these walls, they're pretty fucking paper thin, bro. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this track, man? Uh, I like it. I remember the first time I saw them. I think they I think they were I on tour. Yep. They were on tour for... Uh, good news for people of bad news. So I think they opened with uh, the world at large. And I want to say this was like the second song that they played, which I really like because it kind of brought the, the tempo of like the feeling of the whole thing up. Right. The, well, that's the one thing I love about this song is just the energy. It just yeah. has such good energy. Uh, just, just, yeah, the way it moves must be a fucking fun song to play. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not overly like heavy or anything, but you're right. It does bring so much energy. Yeah. The the energy. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I was going to say, like, I I do remember this song being performed live and being like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Paper thin walls. All right. Cool. Yeah. And Um, and it was cool because I, I mean, I liked, um, good news for people who love bad news, but if people thought that their breakout was this album, I mean, it was really that album. And I know that even our, our friend Alex, who I mentioned earlier in the episode who got me into modest mouse felt like that album was kind of a sellout where I was like, man, I don't know if I'd call it a sellout. I guess I can see where it's more commercial, but it's, it's certainly not like mainstream radio rock. Well, that's the that's the hard thing is when all of a sudden you do have a song that's being played on, you know, just so many radio stations. It had a music video. Well, right? dude, like, in, in, in the world at large and float on are kind of poppier, poppy, upbeat hits. And well, dude, I mean, fuck. Th- and those are the songs you're going to put out as singles because they are like the upbeat, I, I know. Hits that and that's why like. I understand I mean, why there was. 
uh, where why there was sort of a departure of like you know hardcore fans at that point because you know you're like this is the same fucking band that put out the lonesome crowded west this is this is fucking wimpy yeah i I get that i get that but there were a lot of stuff there was a lot of stuff on that album though despite those tracks that were more hits that i really liked and that was dark and unique in its own way like satin in a coffin satin in a coffin anyways anyways yeah anyways man I, i feel like i need to listen to that album again shit it's been a while Oh, and I, I love those, the weird like horn thing that was the intro and then they played intro. it halfway through the album. Like that was a, a nice bridge. I hope if, if anybody owns this on vinyl and can verify if you own good news. Oh, tell me the news, second side yeah. starts with that. Oh, I was just going to say, no, tell me that the, the disc is pink. Like, I feel like the disc just oh. needs to be pink. I think that'd be fucking cool, man. Because, you know, like, the color scheme of the cover is, like, pink and green, Well, right? here's what we need to look for. Okay. What we need to look at is what's... Ah, 48.50, dude. The album is? Oh, yes. you fit that on one? God damn it. Probably. Oh, Cut wait. out the fucking horn intro. <laughs> no, they put, they put some other song between Bury Me With It and Dance. Oh, in the dual edition of the album and is the last track in the vinyl release. <sighs> that sucks, dude, because, man, that would have been such a good one to do as one vinyl. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, it is, back that to it really is a good album. Yeah, anyways. It is, yeah. So, I Came as a Rat, another one of my favorite songs on the album. I yeah, I like this. It kind of it kind of reminds me, weirdly enough, as um, of the song "Rats" for different reasons. But as of of the song "Rats" on the Kinks, Lola versus the Power Man and the Money Go Round, mm. it kind of comes yeah. at a similar spot in the album. It, it's got you know same kind of sentiment. Well, I th- and I don't know if this was. I don't know. This a couple lines always st- stood out to me, but he's like, "I don't know," but I've been told like that just reminds me of Tom Petty, Mary Jane's last. Oh time, yeah, so like, oh like, for sure. And, and so I was like, "Oh, is that is he poking fun at it, just playing with it, or just you know what?" Wh- I think it's a good nod. Um, yeah, but he he does have a lot of really kind of good lines. Um, but I love it when he says like, "Um, I came too soon, so I so came I back. came back." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, cool, man. All right. That makes sense. And I like how he uses the line, I came clean. Because it, because that's like owning up to something. It's just a a, a, a a weird way to go with that cadence, but to like offer up a different sort of sentiment, I guess, in the... For <clears throat> sure. Yeah. For sure. Lives. Yeah. Uh, some of that, you know, like reverse acoustic kind of Definitely. stuff. Yeah. Um, but then it kind of goes into like a, another feel, you know, when he says it it's does. hard to remember, it's hard to remember. Yeah, right. It, it gets it gets lighter um, mm-hmm. when, it when, does. He, when he kind of kind of goes into that and it has more of a acoustic strumming going. Um, but then, you know, the, the violin playing comes in and really adds like a nice yeah. texture to the song. It so, does. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's utilized really well. And dude, one of my the lines that one of the lines that stands out, he's like, if I had a nickel for every damn dime. I'd oh, have, yeah. I'd, I had half the time, right? <laughs> yeah. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's a that's a good one. And and I love the changes because it, it's it's a longer song. I or maybe mid no. mid. Are we no. talking about life like weeds? No, no, no. Lives. I guess. Oh, okay. I guess it seems like there's more there because of all the dynamics and changes in it than than three minutes and nineteen seconds. It goes. Yeah. No, it moves along. It definitely goes some places for sure. But well, life like weeds is. I believe it's the second longest song of the album at six. Yep, six and a half minutes. Um, which is, you know, that that's one thing I like about Modest Mouse is they're not afraid to like all their songs aren't like. Hey, three to four minutes. Like, dude, they'll put in some longer songs on on albums. And um, the uh, the opening of this song, it's it, or the, I guess I'll just say the the song as a whole. It incorporates so much of what you've kind of heard in the album. It has some strange strange guitar sounds. There's a bunch of different uh, guitar sounds and a bunch of different like vocal things. Again, we were talking earlier about some of their. Uh, previous and on some of the previous songs where they really experimented uh, with some different vocal sounds and layering and whatnot. I feel like this song uh, really exemplifies that, that too. Um, what are you reading there, Graham? I can oh, just I'm, keep going. I no, mean, you can, you can. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> One thing I, I, what I always liked about life, like Fine, I'll, car- I'll, I'll just carry the episode. Yeah, if you want go me ahead. To. You know what? I'm just going to stop my recording and dude, I'll you just, just, you can it. sign off. No, no, no. Keep a recording. I just want an empty chair there. <laughs> <laughs> dude, life like weeds. Um, I love how it starts out and dude, it reminds me of the, like the way the guitar strumming is of lounge closing time. Oh, dude! You yeah, know what I, I love mean? That song, yeah, oh, yeah and then, totally, man. And then, yeah. and then it totally breaks damp, damp, damp. up. Yeah, you know, yeah. it does. It, but you're, in you're absolutely li- right. It has that. And I know that I'm a rock to you in this life, like weeds. As I as I was reading in lyrics, this life and, like weeds. <laughs> you're a rock to me. Mm-hmm. But but this this song again does does a lot of a lot of changing and. It's weird because I remember in, in my mind, this was just a short song because it has those like two parts. And then when I was listening to the album after uh, several years, you, right, you say it's been a while. I was like, damn, that that's like, what is that second to only the stars are projectors? Yeah, it is, dude. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, then we go to the last song, What oh, People Are dude. Made Of. And dude, I feel like so... I feel like this is probably the hardest song on the album. And yeah. it's a dramatic way. Dude, I feel like this is um their shit luck on, oh, yeah. on this on but this I, on this album. Dude, I love it because yeah, the lyrics are hard. I like the song intense. better than shit luck, but Me too. Um but one thing that I really love is when they kind of break a lot of it up and the only thing left is the drums and just that thick fucking fuzz bass dude that is the f- never underestimate a good fuzz bass you can't I love some fuzz no don't why would you want to oh you're foolish to even think about it yes you are all right Rin Tin Tim time to scratch this MF I think so dude yeah uh, and I don't know I forget the last album we did. I feel like I've been on the side episodes. I've been doing a lot of stuff first here. So I think you're on the T for scratching. So uh, 
you know, make sure you get a good T height. Really okay. just s- size up that Work. shot and go. All right. Well, I'm actually going to scratch one song that that I heard you mention earlier that it's it's actually one of your one of the songs you like and one of your favorites, and that's Wild Pack of Family Dogs. Because I don't think this song fits the album. I just don't wow. like I. It's Wild it doesn't pack have of family dogs, dude. It doesn't do. I don't, it just doesn't do anything for me. It has, um, and not just because it's the shortest song on the album. You know, size does matter, but that's not the case here. Um, it's just. It's just. I not, think it is girth, I, not length. Well, you know, soup can. Um, so it. It just doesn't. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think it's a fun, cool little song, but if it was removed from the album, I wouldn't miss it. It doesn't, it, it has this, I mean, the lyrics are kind of darker and everything, but I feel like it, it just kind of doesn't fit. Not that uh, this, I mean, I guess, I don't know if, if you want to say this is a concept album or whatever, but it just, it, it, it just doesn't like that theme of the telling the story of a wild pack of family dogs, uh, you know, running through the yard like I, that to me doesn't, doesn't kind of fit okay. with it. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because if the stars are projectors did go right into paper thin walls, that it would it would be an interesting transition. Um, I am gonna have to throw out in this case the customary. What the fuck is that shit? Uh, because, uh, dude, I just I like this song so much. I, as much as I see your point, I still have a hard time. What's um, the point, Ventura? A hard time just thinking about this album without this song okay all right well let me know what song you can think about this album without well that dude sense. and i may get one of those right back but we know we're not going to overtime and dude i have no problem thinking about this album with this without the song a different City. I shouldn't say no problem, but if I have to scratch one, it's a different city. I've skipped Ooh. it before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, don't right. think it's a bad song in any way. And I'm not going to say it doesn't even fit the album, but for some, there's just something about it. The way the riff comes in, I, it's just a little musically, it's not the most pleasing thing to my ears. Okay. I. I'd have a hard, I don't know. I'd have a hard time scratching that one. I, I don't know if it's full what, what the, the fuck, fuck is that shit, really, but yeah. I'm still going to overlay that sound effect right there. Okay, that's fine. You know, I will say, here's the thing. I could, not that we're, you know, not to play God, but um, I, I. But here I go. <laughs> here I go. Here's, give it my best shot. Um, I wouldn't mind in in this, so I had a backup. My second song backup was "What People Are Made Of." And oh, because, here's the thing though. Hold on, hear me out, motherfucker. Okay, uh, it's not it's it's not because I don't like the song, but I feel like you could end the song with "Life Like Weeds," and you could move "What People Are Made Of" to another spot. That oh, that's interesting. That's because okay. because kind of, just kind of like. Ending, I feel like ending the album with basically what I feel like is the hardest song on the album. Oh yeah, um, you know, real I, heavy. When, when it does have the album to me has this kind of you know glacial spacey feeling to it. Um, 
And this is a lot more like punkish. Yeah, it is. It is. Shit luck, man. Shit luck. Well. Mm. All right. Well, I think we're officially scratched here, my friend. For all you people who are hopefully still with us, running at close to an hour, we're going to wrap this up real quick. Um, Comment below. Disagree below. Agree below. What would you scratch? Tell us we're full of shit or tell us, man, right on, dude and Graham. I would shake somebody's hand for sake of the cover. That's right. That's right. So. All right, Graham. I think uh, until next time, happy hump day, everybody. Right? (sighs) It's good. Yeah, I'm just about out of this old fashioned, dude. All right. Let me know if you find the answer to life down there. All right. It's time to go. Uh, It's time. Let me take another look. It's time. Uh, (laughs) Let me take another look. Alright, time to go. Dude and Grim Show. Scratch a track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore and the Tims. Copyright 2021. The Dude and Grim Show.